0: Now I'm gonna ask you to go to Mark chapter five today. Actually, I couldn't get to church. I think this was the earliest I showed up to church in a long time. Security team was actually like looking at me strange, like what are you doing here? It's weird for them. I walked in super early. I got a beard. It was creeping them out. But uh, I was really excited to share this message today. And so, um, man, I, I hope I can say it the way I feel it Mark chapter 5 I'm gonna start in verse 21 and the Bible says this it says after Jesus returned from across the lake a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline just then a man saw that it was Jesus so he pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at his feet his name was Jairus a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue, he pleaded with Jesus saying over and over, please come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death. And she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her and she will live. I love that. She will live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? These punks. (laughs) But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. So, Father, right now we are asking this morning that you would speak to us a word that would radically change our lives forever. We pray today that we would leave this place with radical faith, faith that believes you for the impossible, faith that's willing to press through the crowd, faith that is willing to leave what is comfortable, a faith that pursues what you have for us at all costs. We will leave nothing on the table. We will not live below the means that you have designed and desired for us to live, but we will take hold of everything that you've promised us. And if anybody believes that in the church this morning, somebody in the room say amen, 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 amen. amen. I, I wrestled with the title for this message and I still don't know um, what I'm gonna call it. One of my kids said, Dad, you need to title this message Faith that hits different. Faith that hits different. Because at the end of the story, after Jesus is touched by this woman, Jesus asks him, he says, who touched me? The disciples look at Jesus and they're like, well, everybody's touching the, you. And he's like, no, this, this one hit different. This is, like, this, <laughs> this is like a McFlurry late at night. You know what I'm talking about? This is like popcorn at a movie theater. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is like Waffle House at 2 (laughs) a.m. This is like a nap on a Sunday after church. Anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? (laughs) This hit different. This one is different. I'm reminded of a story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 about David when David is He says he's gonna fight Goliath and everybody kind of mocks him and looks at him funny and then he finally is able to tell Saul, he says, hey Saul, I don't want you to worry about this Philistine anymore. He said, I'll go take care of him and Saul looks at him in 1 Samuel 17 and 33 and he says, don't be ridiculous. That's what he says. Don't be ridiculous. You can't do this. You cannot possibly do this. David says, don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Verse 33 Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he has been a man of war since his youth. Don't be ridiculous. Wow. I think, if anything, the past 20 months has made us more reasonable than ridiculous. And I think what we maybe have lost in the community of faith is faith. Faith that makes us look ridiculous to the rest of the world. Faith that makes people look at us and say, don't do that, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't act like that, that's ridiculous. You should not believe God for that, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't pursue that. That's ridiculous. You can't possibly win. And we need to look back at them and say, you have no idea who God is because he is a God that does the ridiculous. Is there anybody in the room today who would say, thank God that he does the ridiculous? Faith, faith, faith. The Bible says in Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please God because he who is going to, be seen as a person of faith, must believe that he exists and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Throughout scripture, I see faith is not just a mental ascent to a higher power. Faith is not just something that we say with our mouth. James said, faith without works is dead. Faith is not works, but faith, genuine faith produces works. And I see, so, so as I look through Scripture, I see that faith works and faith fights. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, the apostle is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, we remember before God and your Father your work produced by faith. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, he said, I have fought the good fight, I have kept The faith. How many of you in the room have experienced faith not just as something you declared with your mouth, but something that actually worked in your life and something that you actually had to fight for and keep? Fight for it and keep it. And in this story in Mark chapter 5, we see a woman who is in a cycle that she cannot get out of. The Bible tells us that she's been bleeding for 12 years, it's not stopping. It's slowly killing her. It's it's not only taking its physical toll on her, but it's taking an emotional toll on her life. It's taking a financial toll on her life. The Bible says that she spent all that she had. So not only does she have a physical problem, she now has a financial problem. She's also got relationship problems because for this period of time, because of the rules of 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 the temple, And the rules of relationship, because she is considered unclean, she's unable to be touched by anyone, and she's unable to touch anyone. She can't even go to the house of God, the place that she needs to be the most, she can't even go to. And God helped Calvary Church to never be a place that people who, when they need God the most, feel like they deserve him the least feel like because i'm at the I, I don't want to be a place where people who need to get in the door the most can't find their way into the place. Because we become so religious that people who don't act like you, talk like you, and look like you, feel like they don't have a place. God help us to have wide open doors that make people from all walks of life feel as if. that's the. If I'm at the worst point of my life, I don't need to go to the bar. I don't need to go to the club. I need to get to the house of God. Let Calvary Church be a place where people who feel like they deserve God the least can find him. That's what, we, that's what we want to be. So she's got a physical problem that's not only a physical problem, but it's relational, it's financial, and it's spiritual. Your religion is useless if it keeps people away from God when they need him the most. But the Bible says she had heard that Jesus was coming into town. This is so important because What you're saying about God really does matter. How you're talking about God really does matter. How you are representing God to the people... On, on your job and the people that you encounter really does matter because not only does she say, not only did she hear that Jesus was coming by, when she heard Jesus was coming by, the Bible says she said to herself, because what you're saying about God is affecting what people are saying to themselves about God. And how you represent him is affecting how people talk to themselves about who God is. So she heard and then she said, What you say about him is having a serious impact on the way people around you see him. But it's also having an impact on what they say to themselves about him. And what she said to herself and what you say to yourself is affecting your life more than you could possibly realize. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. I love this because what she said to herself didn't just affect her attitude, it affected her movement. What you are saying to you is affecting what you are moving towards. Remember, the Bible says that, that faith is not just believing that God is, but faith is also believing he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, so she, had, she had ridiculous faith. She had, she had a faith that said, I can't stay here and get what I need from Jesus. Because she had heard that Jesus was coming to town. Jesus wasn't coming to her house. He was just coming to town. So it affected her movement. So, so often in life, if we, don't have, if we don't have faith, it affects our movement. If we're without faith, it can cause us to kind of stay still and be still and not want to do anything, not want to go anywhere, just kind of pull the curtains down, down and just kind of hide in our house and hide in our pain and hide in our misery. But I'm thankful today that this woman gives us an example of someone who had suffered for 12 years in a cycle that she could not break herself. And I don't know what your cycle is. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's maybe it's a, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's in your health. I don't know what it is. But you have an example before you of someone who could have just thrown in the towel and quit, but decided that this faith isn't just going to give me enough faith to turn a song on but this is the type of faith that gets me up out of my house come on this gets me up out of my corner in the room where I've been crying and I've been weeping this gets me up out of my pain and gets me into my purpose is there anybody in the room who'd say I want a faith like that I don't want a faith that just turns on Christian music when I'm hurting I don't want a faith that just goes to YouTube to listen to another message. I want a faith that moves. The Bible says if you just got the faith of a mustard seed, you can look to that mountain and you can say move. Faith moves things. Faith doesn't just move mountains. Faith moves you. And if anything, in the day we're living in, we need a faith that moves us. Listen, I, I, I love you, and, and, I, and I appreciate everybody watching online, but listen to me. If you're going to the movies, but you aren't coming to church, something is wrong with your faith. If you're going to work, but you ain't coming to the house of God, something is wrong with your faith. You have settled in, and you have settled in your faith. You've become reasonable, not ridiculous. Oh, I'm not trying. I'm not. I'm not trying to 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 make you feel shame this morning. No, I'm trying to stir you up this morning. I'm I'm trying to tell you. Listen, I I get it. There are people who are staying home because of health reasons. But if I see you at the movies, but you haven't been to church in 18 months, something is wrong with that. Come on, somebody? So faith moves us. And can I tell you why? Why we stop moving? Because to be honest, there's actually a peace in quitting. There's a peace in giving up. There's a peace in saying, it's just, this is just the way it's going to be. It's never going to change. It's never going to be any different. There's a peace in that. Why is there peace in that? Well, because I can't be disappointed if I don't expect anything. And that's the way a lot of people are living, living right now. When David comes on the scene and, and he sees the situation, it's, it's shocking that people are living, even though the enemy is taunting them day by day. They've come to peace with it. They've come to grips with it. David comes on the scene and he finds the people who are eating and having conversations and going about life as normal When day after day after day the enemy is taunting them, ridiculing them, and they're just living in it. Have you ever found yourself just living with the taunt, living with the frustration, living with the pain, living with the disappointment? We get comfortable in it because if I don't expect anything, then if I don't get anything, I'm not going to be let down. But I've always, I've always believed that the pain of, of stopping short is greater than the pain of falling short. I'd rather try and fail than know that I got to the end of my life and I, did, I didn't fail because I, because I fell flat on my face trying. I failed because I didn't even try. Ridiculous! Don't be ridiculous, Robbie. You do know we're in the middle of high inflation, and prices are going through the roof. And why would you build something right now? Why would you spend millions of dollars right now? Don't—that's ridiculous. What? What? Why, why would you, why would you? And, and what has happened to us is, is, is I, I thank God for the doctors and I thank God for medicine and I thank God for, 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 for the safety and I thank God for all of that. But what has happened to us is, is, is y'all listen to me, we, in the first Eight weeks of the pandemic, we didn't have church. Do you know that we didn't have church in the first eight weeks of the pandemic, and that was the best the pandemic was ever going to get? What is it about fear that makes us stop? It's reasonable. It's, it's, it's re, it, Rob, you, you did the reasonable thing. I don't want to get to the end of my life and everybody look at me and say, man, you had a really reasonable ministry. <laughs> wow, your life was reasonable. No, I want a life where people look at you and go, man, that is ridiculous. That's Ridiculous. So whatever, you gotta do, whatever you've whatever got to do, whatever you've got to do to get out of your comfort zone and into faith. When was the last time somebody looked at you and said, man, that's ridiculous? Oh, man. I'm just saying if it looked ridiculous... If it would have looked ridiculous to have church when the pandemic was as good as it ever was going to get. Then how ridiculous does it look now to have this room full of people? So you've got to sometime you have to sometimes say, you know what? I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for all that you've done. But I have to step out. And I have to do something that to everybody else around me looks unreasonable. Science says you can't walk on water. But Peter did. Because he was willing to do something unreasonable. I, I, listen to me. All I'm asking is that you consider that faith is not, there aren't levels to faith as in like, you know, Rob, I'm just kind of at the faith that doesn't move mountain stage. <laughs> There's no such thing as a faith that doesn't move mountains. If it doesn't move mountains, it's not faith. So I don't want you to see like I don't want you to see your neighbor and say, man, they've just got they've just got more faith. I just need to, I just need to get you know stronger and 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 more, I need to grow in my levels. No, no, no. The the same faith that that he said, it's like a mustard seed. Small. Small. It, it's not about the size of your faith, it's about the quality of your faith. And listen to me, it's not about. It, it, it's, not, it's not about it's not a job, just believing and doing stupid stuff. It's about putting your, the Bible says, have faith in God. And, and so what you're doing is, I'm not going to be stupid. Again, I've said this 50 times throughout this whole thing. I'm not telling anybody, please listen to me. I'm not telling anybody in this room to go lick door handles today. I'm not telling you to tempt God. Watch me. Yes, yeah, somebody inject the virus into me. I'll show you how faithful God is. No, that's stupid. I'm not telling you to be dumb. I'm telling you to just be. When it looks, when the world looks at you, let there be a little bit of ridiculousness. There's a fine line between dumb and ridiculous. And the fine line is where's your faith? Who's it in? My faith is in, the Bible says, have faith in God because your faith is only as strong as the object that you put it in. So I'm not asking you to have faith in Robbie, have faith in my words, have faith in my message. No, I'm asking you this morning, would you just, again, turn your attention towards God? Maybe put your screen down, put your phone down, turn the TV off, turn the radio off, stop listening to all the podcasts, and for a moment, would you turn your attention towards God and put your faith in God, and say, God, I know my situation says this, and I know the doctors say this, and I know all the bright minds say this, but God, I wanna know what are you trying to say to me what are you doing in my life what do you want me to do that's all I'm asking I'm not asking you for you to ignore science I'm just asking you to ask God hey God is it okay if I trust you in this is it okay if I step out and believe you in this that's all I'm asking I'm asking for just a little bit of Peter who said Jesus is that you Now notice this, notice this about the story. Even of Peter, only Peter got out of the boat because Jesus only told Peter to get out of the boat. And if you go jumping out of the boat on a word that God didn't give you, don't be surprised when you sink. So i I, I want I want to encourage you this morning. This woman, she said. She said, if I can just just get to where he is and if I can just touch the hem of his garment, she says, I know I can be made whole. It reminds me of, of the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11 when the Bible says Jesus finally gets to town. It's four days after Lazarus has died And Mary's all upset and Martha comes up to him and Martha says to him in John chapter 11, verse 21, she says, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But she says, but even now, I know that God will do whatever you ask him to do. And I'm wondering I know the pandemic has taken its toll on you and I know you've suffered loss and I know you've gone through difficulty and I know you've had family members and friends and even yourself personally have felt the effects of you of all of this, but I'm wondering, even though this situation seems like it's beyond repair, even though it's four days in the ground and by now it is stinking, Anybody else say, this stinks. At this point, this whole thing just stinks. But I, I wonder if there's anybody in the room who would just for a moment, instead of walking, instead of walking away from God saying, you know, if you would have been here, if you would have intervened in the last 20 months, if you would have just come up with a cure, if you would have just made it all better, we wouldn't be in this situation and just walk away from God. No, I wanna, I wanna be the type of person that, yeah, yeah, if you would have, if you would, but I wanna finish by saying, but even now, I know we're 20 months into it and I know it looks like it's impossible and I know it looks like we're covered in this thing and we're never getting out of it, but even now, whatever you ask of the Father, He will do. I just wonder if I'm in a room full of some people today who still haven't even now faith. Even now, I know it's dead, but even now, I know it seems like it's over, but even now, I know it feels like this is the end, but even now, That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Just asking, can we get some even now faith? That's all. That's it. She said, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Even now, ridiculous faith. Let me give you just some thoughts about what this, this looks like. This type, this genuine faith will will do a few things in your life. Remember, Paul said in Thessalonians, it'll it'll make you work. Paul said in Timothy, he said, it'll make you fight. I'm going to show you what it looks like even now. Ridiculous faith will make you press through. The Bible says in Luke 8, it says that a crowd pressed around Jesus. But in Luke chapter 8, it says that she pressed through the crowd. She pressed through the crowd. And not only did she have to press through the crowd in the sense that the crowd was tight together and she had to push through people to get to Jesus, she had to, first of all, she had to, in her mind before she ever got to the crowd, she had to press through the tradition that would have kept her sick and in her house if she would not have left her house and put her hand on the hem of the garment of Jesus. And if if you have this kind of faith, this kind of faith will make you press through tradition. How many people are suffering in the kingdom because they have tradition that God never gave them? How many people are suffering because of tradition? In Mark chapter 9, there's a boy that was brought to Jesus. And the Bible says this father was so upset, this boy kept throwing himself in the fire. He kept trying to injure himself. And Jesus comes down after he had been praying and seeking God. And he sees his disciples, they've been arguing. Jesus is like, what are you guys arguing about? The father says, I brought this boy to you, but your disciples couldn't do anything about it. Your disciples couldn't fix this issue. And Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. How long am I going to have to put up with you? You know what Jesus was frustrated with? He was frustrated that they were arguing. And the arguing... Was no doubt, because these were religious people fighting on arguing with the disciples. No doubt the religious argument was, was why is he like this? So they would, they would sit around and talk doctrine. About why the boy was like he was and why the boy wasn't being healed. Rather than just cry out to Jesus. They'd rather sit around and argue over doctrine. And how many people are walking around still sick. Still hurting, still hurting themselves because all the church wants to do is sit around and argue over doctrine. How much of the church is still hurting because there's a portion of the church that wants to believe that women can't even talk in church? How much is that tradition hurting people? More than half of the world is women. And we're saying more than half of the world can't preach? No wonder the devil loves that doctrine because it closes the mouth. That tradition shuts the mouth of half of the preachers in the world. The Bible, the Bible tells us in Mark seven thirteen that he says, He says, you have nullified the word of God by your man-made traditions that you keep handing down. You, 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 keep, you keep making the power of God that's available to your kids unavailable because you keep handing them bad tradition. Your bad teaching and your bad doctrine and your tradition handed down to your kids and your grandkids is going to continue to affect them. So you've got to be very careful that you don't develop a doctrine in the middle of a pandemic. That you don't develop a final statement about who God is and what God is capable of because of the last 20 months of your life. We don't develop doctrine based on our experience. What we like, what we believe, what we want to think is true. We base our doctrine on what God's word says about who God is. Even if it doesn't line up with my experience. Let God be true and every man a liar. Come on somebody. And how many people are suffering at the hands of tradition? Jesus looks at me he says, bring the boy to me. Listen to me. When you bring people to church, don't bring them to hear Robbie. Please don't do that. I could show up, have an off day. Sometimes you bring them to hear Robbie, and Robbie's not even here. Robbie's on vacation. Don't, no, when you bring people, bring them to meet Jesus. When you pray for people, don't pray for them like it all hinges on you. Pray like it all hinges on Jesus. When you believe, don't believe like it all depends on you. Believe like it all depends on Jesus. And somewhere, if you're not careful, you'll develop, over the past 20 months, you'll develop this mindset of, well, you know, I know the Bible says, but you know, Can I tell you what happened to me? I know the Bible says, but can I? Let me tell you what my experience tells me. We've got to be very careful. And thank God that this 12 years of suffering that this woman had gone through did not keep her trapped in her home. Didn't keep her head down, In tradition, but she made a decision. Listen, I love this decision. She said, because if she goes out and she presses into this crowd, you know what she's doing? Every person she touches, they're now ceremonially, according to the temple, they're unclean. You know what she said to herself? she She said to herself, I'm willing to offend them if it means I can be blessed by him. And somebody in this room has got to make up your mind. Listen, I'm willing to offend them if it means that I'll be blessed by him. I'm willing to hurt some people's feelings and make some people mad at me if it means that it's going to get God to see my knee. Oh, my goodness. She pressed through the crowd. Think about this. The Bible says... that she pressed through. I wonder if there was ever a point as she's pressing through where she thought, you know, this is like, this is too much. This crowd is too big. This is too difficult. I'm offending too many people. I'm offensive to too many people. Jesus is still so far away. And I wonder how many How many How many times have you walked away? How many times have I walked away? How many times did you get out of line when you should have stayed in line? I remember I was probably 25 or so. And uh, <laughs> I was, I felt like God was, telling me to go to this conference in New York. And at this point in time, I didn't know anybody at this conference. Um, I wasn't invited to this conference. This was a youth conference. And I felt like God was asking me to go to this youth conference. I'm 25 years old, I'm like, God, I'm not a student anymore. And I don't know anybody there, so if I go as a pastor, I'm not, I can't, nobody's gonna notice, nobody's gonna recognize me, nobody's gonna know who I am. So I get up there. It's massive conference. It's in an arena. And I'm standing in line. With all these teenagers. 25 years old. And I've had gray hair since I was 25 years old. <laughs> Hi, guys. I don't have a youth group with me. I'm just there. And I'm standing in line. Thousands of people just waiting to get into this arena. And I'm like... I'm better than this. But I stayed in line. And I got in, and when I got in, I was all the way at the top. And all the way at the top, I met someone, and that relationship has changed the past 17 years of my life. I just want to know, how many things are you missing out on because you think you're too good to stand in line? Oh, man. How many things are you missing out on because you don't think you're good enough? So there are some people in here who are missing out on something that God wants to do in your life because you think you're too good to stand in line. You see where I had to park this morning? You tell Robbie to get one of those trolleys like they have at Dollywood, and then I'll come back. I don't park in the overflow parking. Somebody let Robbie know that. Okay, I heard you. (laughs) But there are also people in the room who are just like, And maybe there's people who are watching online and you're not going to the movies and missing church because of a pandemic. You're going to the movies and missing church because you don't feel good enough to stand in line. I wanna break that off of your life Right now, nobody in this room, listen to me. If you're online, you're watching right now, nobody in this room is good enough on their own. We all came in the same condition a mess, lost, needing rescued. So come on, we're waiting for you. Your family's here. They're waiting for you. So she pressed through the crowd. Movement is affecting your purpose. Faith affects your movement and your movement affects your purpose. There are some things that are only available to you outside of your house. In Exodus chapter 16, Moses says, This is the thing in which the Lord commanded. Let every man gather according to each one's need, one omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. What he's talking about is God overnight would send manna. And manna was what they called what God would send it was bread from heaven. The Bible calls it. They use the word manna because when they looked at it, they said, what is it? They didn't even understand what it was. But here's the thing. The manna that came from heaven, this miracle that happened every day in their life, it didn't fall on their tables. It didn't fall in their mouths. It fell on the ground. And they had to leave the house to gather it. How many things are you m- missing because you refuse to gather it? You're sitting in the house like, I believe God can do miracles with your mouth open like, where you at God? Opening up the fridge, God can do miracles and you open the fridge. God can do miracles, and you run into the living room, and you look, and you still have a 34 inch <laughs> TV. <laughs> There's so many things that God wants to do in your life when you gather it. And there's so many things that God wants to do in your life when you gather. I want to say to people, again, watching online, I want to say to you, if if you're watching and you don't have a home church to go to, if you're watching us because this feels like your home church, can I tell you, I'm so thankful that you're watching. I want you to keep watching. But God's word would teach us that we must gather with the saints. You need a gathering. Some things, oh man, can you have church in your house? Absolutely. Can you you praise God in your house? Absolutely. Can you sing in your house? Can you have a move of God in your house? Absolutely. But there are certain things that only happen when you gather them. And I'm, I'm not saying this to shame you out of your house. What I'm saying, I'm saying this because I love you and I don't want you to miss everything that God. Has for you. I don't want you to settle for less than what he's calling you to. Amen? That's all I'm asking of you. Yeah, I, 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 and I know, listen, I know, listen, think about this. We all have access to the same bread. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, but we don't all gather the same way. Remember, he said, Gather according to your need. In Exodus 16, Moses said, you get, gather the manna according to your need. And I wonder how many of us have needs that we're not gathering for. Sometimes I think about this lady's frustration. To have something like this, this cycle that she cannot break for twelve years—I I can't, I can't imagine the frustration that she feels. But can I, as you stand on your feet this morning with me, can I, can I tell you that if you'll allow it, some frustration in your life can be friendly. Some frustration is a friend, not a foe. I'm not saying the sickness was a friend, but I'm saying the frustration that the sickness brought into her life can be friendly. In the sense that frustration will drive you to refuse to settle in your condition. Frustration is an indicator, it's a sign to you that something has to change. Have you ever walked into a room and saw something that everybody else was okay with, but it frustrated you? Have you ever heard something that everybody else was okay with, but it frustrated you? Have you ever been in something and everybody else was like cool in it, but it frustrated you? Maybe frustration is not just an emotion that you feel that makes you want to leave something, but maybe frustration is an emotion that you feel that's an indicator that that might be something that you're called to fix. Maybe the thing that you're uniquely designed to find a solution to to is the same thing that you are uniquely frustrated with. Maybe if disorganization frustrates you, maybe that's a clue as to what God is, Called you to do. Remember David when he comes in again. We go back to 1 Samuel 17. David says is there not a cause. Does no he's like does no one hear how this guy's talking. Are you guys okay with this. Like you're okay with. Where did what happened to you that you're okay with. This guy yelling threats day after day. David is uniquely frustrated because David is uniquely gifted. To solve this problem. But our, our issue is that instead of, instead of finding purpose in fixing the problem, we, tr- we try to fix the emotion that the problem brings. And there are a lot of people in this room, you know what your calling is, but you're running from it. Because you can't get past the emotion of frustration to get to the solution that you were designed and created to solve. This lady's frustration becomes our solution. She teaches us that ridiculous faith, even now faith, unreasonable faith, doesn't just sit around with the hands up, doesn't just say a prayer and hope for the best. But this type of faith gets to work pushes out past its comfort zone and presses into the thing that God has for us. My desire for you church, listen to me. I wouldn't be a pastor. I would just be a positive talker and an inspirational speaker if I just came and just inspired you all the time, but I don't want to just inspire you to think good things. I want just inspire you to have good, you know, just to have hope and no, I want to inspire you to move. to move. My, my greatest frustration, my greatest frustration is seeing, seeing people who call themselves Christians, who Christianity doesn't make a difference for them. That's my biggest frustration. So it comes out, if, you, if you're like, why are you preaching like that? Why are you talking? Because I'm, I'm, that's my greatest frustration. And my greatest frustration is also an indicator of a problem I'm called to fix. God didn't call me to just come play patty cake with you. God called me to come make some people mad so that it would move you. Sometimes it'll move you out of the ch- this church and onto another church, <laughs> but at least you moved. Come on, I'm not interested in people coming week after week after week after week and just sitting there and consuming and consuming and consuming. I want to see a church that's on fire for God, full of faith, full of ridiculous faith that's changing this region for the glory of God. We're not here to play church. We're here to change the world. I don't want a reasonable life. I want a ridiculous life. So, Father, in Jesus' name, help us, help us. I don't know what happened as a result of this message. Maybe some people were convicted, and maybe some people were offended. But God, help us to move. We've been told for twenty months where we can go, what we can do when we get there, and that has creeped into our faith. What you can wear, what you can't wear. We've been, we've, we, we've been told for 20 months, this is your life, deal with it. And, t- and today, I just I just look at the devil and I say, no, I'm, I'm not just settling for this. I'm, I'm, and, no, and I know it might seem ridiculous, but I'm stepping out in faith and I'm believing in a God who still has power over COVID, who still has power over cancer who still has power over diabetes, who still opens up blinded eyes, who still raises the dead, who still heals the sick, who still brings people out of wheelchair, I still trust and believe that there is a God who does the miraculous. And I'd rather go to my grave believing that God does the miraculous than live the rest of my life reasonable. So help us, Jesus. Help us to just, just take that, First step, it's it can be scary and it can be lonely. But help us to take that first step out. I don't know, I don't know what we've been locked up in for and how long it's been. For some people, it's been the past 20 months, for some people, it's been the past 20 years. And I'm praying today that some people would just open the door. Just open the door again, open the door, even even if it's just in the spirit, just open the door, open the door and maybe just step outside into the wondrous things that God has for your life. I want to say this to you, and, and I'm sorry for keeping you for so long this morning, but I want to say this. There was a point in Abraham's life where Abraham, God had promised him a, a, a life that looked like the sand, as as big as the sand on the at the ocean, and is as numerous as the stars in the sky, and Abraham is sitting inside of his tent. The Bible says he's inside of his tent, and he's all frustrated, and he's mad, and he's like, God, how are you going to give me the sand, and how are you going to give me the stars, and how are you going to make my name great if I don't even have one son? And the first thing God did is he came and he grabbed me. He said, you need to come out of this tent perspective. You need to come out of this house perspective. You need to come out of this locked in and locked up perspective, and you need to look up to the stars, and you need to remember how big your God is, how great your God is, God is, how powerful your God is. And for some of you this morning, I just want you to remember how great your God is, how powerful your God is, how awesome your God is, how marvelous your God is. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, listen, I'm gonna let you go so we can transition to the next service. But if anybody needs prayer, needs to talk with somebody, our prayer team will be up front. Thank you so much for being here this morning. God bless you and we will see you soon.